Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host Ted Odorico. As always we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, already the middle of March. It's hard to believe we're at uh, March 15th and uh, it's just I don't know where this year is going but um, very excited to be here tonight and I got a great panel uh, tonight on the coach's corner. Uh, we're going to bring them out in just a second here but uh, let me remind everybody of course uh, we are live on the uh, network on blogtalkradio.com. Just go to blogtalkradio.com and up in the search key uh, type in Golf Talk Live, and that will take you to the main page. And we're live from 6 to 8 p.m. Central or 7 to 9 for those of you in the East Coast uh, every Thursday evening, unless otherwise stated. And uh, so you can listen live uh, on Thursdays, or you can scroll down on that uh, page and hit the on-demand section, and uh, you can listen to the show on its recorded version anytime after the live broadcast ends. So if you can't, uh, can't listen to it live, not to worry. There's lots of great options. Some other great options to tune into the show as well is uh, go to iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, and now TuneIn.com. And under the podcast section, again, you can just type in Golf Talk Live, and you can listen to on, on any of those uh, social media platforms as well. So lots of great ways to connect with the show. Always love to hear from you. You're welcome to call in anytime on Thursday nights during the live broadcast. We'd love to hear from you if you've got any questions or comments about the show, and you can do so by calling area code 646-716-4667, or you can certainly email any questions or comments to me about the show uh, to my email, and it's ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And also, if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can also reach me there at that email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Maybe you're a golf professional or somebody in the business that uh, you'd like to share your story with my uh, listening audience that literally circles the globe. So lots of uh, great folks tuning into the show each and every week and uh, continually growing audience as well, I might add. So you can reach out to me there. Also on social media, if you go to facebook.com forward slash golf talk live blog, uh, that's uh, the main page, uh, or also on my uh, own personal page, Ted Odorico, uh, you'll get updates uh, on the show as to who's going to be coming up each and every week. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, Ted and Buck CEO is my Twitter handle, and also on LinkedIn.com under my personal name, Ted Odorico. Again, you can get us there. As I mentioned, I've got a great Coach's Corner panel tonight. I've got three uh, very excellent professionals, Pete Buchanan, John Decker, and Brian Dobby, who've all, of course, been on the show many, many times, uh, not only as guests, but uh, particularly on the Coach's Corner panel, and always, I know, bring their best. Uh, a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be joined by a uh, digital marketer, uh, author, and blogger, Chris Doster. He's going to be joining me from uh, New York uh, a little bit later on in the broadcast. But let me just tell you a little bit about the guys, and then we're going to get into our discussion. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I've got three great guys on tonight. Pete Buchanan, first up, founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf, uh, which houses, of course, the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. And he's been teaching over the last uh, 30 years to help make your 
uh, golf game a little bit easier and, of course, simple. Uh, also on the panel, John Decker. He's uh, currently the teaching professional at the New Albany Country Club. Uh, also in 2015, he was named the Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. And prior to that, he was the head instructor at the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Orlando, where he worked under some great top 100 instructors, Fred Griffin and Phil Rogers. Uh, he's also uh, author of the book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which also includes uh, a Bible study with that book. And he's also a, motor, a motivational speaker uh, around the uh, U.S. He's been all over the place, uh, uh, motivating those of us that uh, need a little help from time to time. Uh, and rounding out the panel, of course, is Brian Dobby. He's a PGA teacher professional at the Montclair Golf Club in New Jersey. And Brian has been teaching uh, as a PGA member since 1994 and a golf professional since 91. Uh, teaching golf, of course, is a passion of his and enjoys teaching both the mechanical side as well as the physical side. And he's been teaching at Montclair now for several seasons. And, uh, of course, it's home to a very outstanding uh, and great junior program, uh, which continues to grow as well each and every season. So uh, without further ado, guys, welcome to the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, Ted. How are you? Thanks for having us on. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, all right, so as I mentioned to you off-air, I wanted to kind of give you the heads up uh, on tonight's uh, topic. We're going to talk on the Coach's Corner panel. I'm going to share uh, my 90-day challenge uh, for all of the golfers out there that are getting ready and fired up for the season. Obviously, me uh, being the only one right now uh, down here in Florida, uh, we get the option, of course, playing all year round, but there's a lot of golfers up in the uh, northeast where most of you guys are that uh, maybe haven't uh, had that spring thaw yet and haven't been able to get out and hit some too many balls uh, yet uh, so I put together a 90-day challenge. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about it. And I'm, I'm very confident with the help uh, that, that this is going to help many of the average golfers master their short game. And I'm going to talk to you about uh, the three steps that I put together and how it's going to work. And then, guys, I'm going to get you to jump in, uh, any comments that you want to add to that. And then I'm going to get you to sort of uh, put together what you might consider a great 90-day challenge for our, especially our high handicap or club golfers out there. So here's, here's mine. Um, what I want the golfers to do that are tuning into the show tonight is I want them to dedicate a minimum of one hour a week. Um, now, I know some people may not always be able to do more than that, but if you do one hour a week and you do these uh, steps that I'm going to repeat uh, or talk about here in just a moment, uh, I guarantee um, that you're going to be able to improve your short game, which ultimately is going to uh, lower your scores and, of course, your handicaps. So what I want you to do is repeat the weekly steps for three months, hence the 90 days, and I want you to use the last week of each of the month to put what you've been practicing to work in your games. Uh, the key, uh, again, is to practice each step during the hour. So I don't want you to you know, go to the range and hit, hit balls uh, you know, for 20, 30 minutes and then put these steps in. I want you to dedicate the whole hour to these specific steps. And they're very, very simple. Uh, step one is the first week what I want you to do is I want you to go to your putting green there at, uh, at your local course that you, you play at. Um, and I want you to pace off 20 feet on the practice green. And you can use it in multiple directions. It doesn't always have to be, just depending on, on how large the green is. I want you to pace off 20 uh, feet. And I want you to hit 20 to 30 20-foot 20 lag putts, keeping the, the putts to try and land them within. Obviously, you want to aim at the pin, and you want to try and uh, maybe drop a few if you're lucky. But I want you to try and keep them within a one-foot circle. Um, two feet for those of you that maybe aren't quite as good or don't play a lot of golf, but I want you to try and focus on keeping them in a one-foot circle around the hole. Then I want you to, uh, as well, in that hour, I want you to pace off 20 feet from the pin, obviously not on the green, but 
from the pin, um, leaving maybe a few feet off the green. And I want you to hit 20 to 30 20 foot chip shots. So I want you, after you finish the 20 uh, foot putts, I want you to then go and mark off roughly 20 feet uh, and hit chip shots again to that same pin. Lastly, what I want you to be able to do is I want you to then pace off 20 yards from the green. Now, you may not, depending on your facility, may not uh, be able to do that around the putting green. Um, so you might have to go out to the range for this step here and just guesstimate roughly uh, 20 yards. And I want you to hit 20 to 30 yards uh, worth of pitch shots. And I want you to do that. But there's a key to this. I don't want you to just rake and hit the 20 to 30 shots one right after another. What I want you to do for each shot, including on the putting green, your chip shots and your 20-yard pitch shots, uh, uh, chip shots, sorry. What I want you to do is I want you to treat it as though it was an individual shot and I want you to go through your pre-shot routine for every single shot that you do. Do that for the hour. I don't want you to hang around and then hit another uh, bucket of balls. Uh, this is to dedicate an hour to that specific first step. The second step, what I want you to do the following week is I want you to now back that out to 40 feet for the putts, 40 feet for the chip shots, and 40 yards for the pitch shots. And on the last week or the third week of that month, I want you to back it out a little bit further to 60 feet uh, for, the, for the putts, 60 feet again for the chips, if possible. If you don't have uh, the ability at your particular facility, uh, come as close as you can to that. And then uh, 60 yards, of course, uh, for your pitch shots. The reason why I picked those ranges, uh, guys, and I'm going to clarify this for you as well, is this is a key area, I believe, in the short game. You know, we always talk about under, you know, within 100 yards, is an area that we have to practice in, which I agree wholeheartedly. But this is a range from that 60 yards in that most people struggle and lose a good majority of their shots and ultimately end up uh, shooting a, a, a bad round or high-scoring round. So I want you to do that. And on the last week, I want you to, as you're, whether you're playing or you can repeat uh, all three of them if you want, if you've got the time. And I want you to do that for three months. And I will guarantee it, because I've, I've tested it with many of my clients, if you do that for the next 90 days, repeat those three steps, doing for step one, week one, step two, week two, week three, and then do the same thing next month, and do that for three months, I guarantee that you will improve your short game and you'll start to lower your scores. So guys, having said that, you understand the parameters of what I've um, laid forth there, and hopefully I explained it well. Any thoughts or comments? I'm going to start with you, Pete, then John, and then Brian. Any thoughts or comments? And then let's talk about what you might do uh, in a similar, uh, given a similar opportunity to create a 90-day challenge. Pete, go ahead. Well, I like what I like what you did there, especially with the short game. I mean, it's always important to to start out there, especially the, the first part of the year, because I think a, a lot of folks are so anxious to hit that they'll they'll go, uh, you know, straight to the full swing and hit a bunch of shots and sort of neglect the short game. So it's really important to to get the short game started right away from from putting to chipping to pitching. So I like the way that you you went about that in the the different segments and. I've done this uh, in a little bit different fashion because I go indoors in the wintertime and I actually have guys that we, sure. we run similar things um, actually doing putting, chipping and pitching, you know, with the simulator. So it's the same type of, of setup, but um, right. yeah, I, I really like what you did. It's very similar as, as you were, you were chatting at the beginning before we got started, I was jotting a bunch of stuff down and it's, it's very much along the same line. So not to steal your thunder, but really the, the, yeah. the same type of thing, <laughs> different drills. 
uh, different drills right. uh, within those segments, but definitely doing putting, chipping, and pitching to begin, uh, you know, at least the first month that, uh, you know, and I think you're right. I think about one hour a week is good to start. Um, I actually have a 30 day right. challenge that I do. That's three hours a week. Um, you, right. We chatted about that before, but um, it's a little bit more, mm. uh, you know, extensive, but they, yeah, I like the one hour a week. It'll get them out there. It'll get them started and, and it'll get, uh, you know, I, I would do some things different. I have a circle drill where it's, which I put, you know, five balls around the cup in a circle and, and they, they, you know, start at three feet and hit all five in and then, you know, go to six feet and nine feet and 12 feet and just keep going around in a circle. I have a clock drill, which you put, you know, 12 balls in the center of the green and you put around the green as if you're putting to each, you know, hour hand. So one to two to three to four, just go around the clock and it's just practicing right. different distances and different looks. And then a fringe drill where you would start, you know, three feet off the fringe and then keep backing up three feet at a time until you get, you know, yourself about 40 45 feet away from you know the edge of the fringe and you're just working on you know each time trying to roll it up to the fringe just different distance drill work so um you know i really like that and in chipping you know what i would do is um, i have something a little different i i take all the pins out um when i work on chipping Mm -hmm. and what i like to do is have them pick a landing area first and then they'll start with one club and they want to land the balls on that landing area and figure out the ratio of how far it flew in the air to how far it rolls on the green. So they start to get an right. understanding of air time versus ground time so that each one of their clubs, they have an idea. So then when they go to play and they're in a similar situation where they can look at the, the air time and then walk off how many paces it is. Once they land it on their safe area, they'll have a better idea of which club to pick and it'll get them a little bit more, you know, looking at the short game of, you know, controlling the air and letting the roll, especially with chip shots, you know, help them get closer to the pin. And then on yeah, pitching, well said. You know, you know, I like to do a bunch of different distances in pitching. You know, sort of similar to what you're doing, but you know, giving them reps from you know different distances, changing the length and pace of the swing to to create that. So, yeah, very, very, very similar to what you're talking about. Yeah, and and John, before I move on to um, thank you for that and and, and some great uh, great ideas uh, in your uh, in your program as well. One of the reasons why guys, why I chose the specific distances. Um, that I did and the method, if you will, um, for, for a very good reason. One of the, the big problems that I see, and, and I'm sure you guys have seen this as well with a lot, a lot of our club or, or high handicap golfers, is, you know, they get out there and, you know, they'll hit a few, uh, you know, short putts. Then they'll maybe hit two or three lag putts and then they'll hit the range. Um, you know, they might work, uh, do a little bunker shot and they're all over the place. Um, they don't really practice with any sort of purpose. What I wanted to do was I wanted to create a specific drill uh, challenge, if you will, that was very specific. I didn't want them hopping around. I wanted them to work on a specific um, task. In other words, starting with the, with the 20 foot putts, then I wanted them to move to the 20 uh, foot chip shots and then ultimately the 20 yards and then uh, respectively the other two steps as well with different distances. The reason why I chose that is you know, we all, again, what I said in the beginning, you know, we talk about the 100 yards in um, as being an area that, that really needs focus on, and there's no doubt. But most people, when they're hitting a full uh, pitch shot to a green, uh, whatever that might be, it might be 100 yards for them, it might be 120 if they're a really good player. Most people are, are pretty comfortable with that. But when they start getting into those distances like 60 yards and in, now you're not really talking a full swing. It might be a half, it might be a three quarter swing. And Nobody ever seems to practice that. But if you watch a lot of the pros, 
during their practice sessions, they are working on those specific sort of in-between shots. And, you know, Pete, as you said, you know, sort of mixing up the distances. I wanted to give them specific distances like 20, 40, and 60 because the in-between distances, they're going to get an idea. They know what a 20-yard pitch shot is going to feel like. They're going to know what a 40 and a 60, and they can kind of gauge in between those distances as they uh, continue their practice session. And I wanted to keep it specifically separate from uh, one of the things I didn't want, as I said earlier, what I don't want uh, the golfers to do is I don't want them to go to the practice range, hit a bucket of balls, and then go to the step because they're going to be tired. They're not going to, you know, their muscles are going to be a little bit uh, sore from, from beating balls for an hour or so, and then to go to the step. So I wanted them to keep it entirely separate um, from their, their regular instruction or their regular practice routine so that they can dial in on these specific tasks. Um, and that's why I chose that. Um, John, what about you? Any thoughts uh, or comments uh, about what I put forth, the 90-day challenge? And then maybe give us a, a little bit uh, of an idea of, of what you might like to do. Uh, first of all, Ted, thanks again for having me on the show. And I like what you said and, and, and uh, Pete as well. I, mean, I think it's uh, a lot of, of what I'm going to say is going to be very similar. One of the first things that I do because um, typically, you know, uh, you, when you get into the spring months and the winter, when you first start with people, uh, you're coming off the holidays, is I first of all like to do an assessment of their golf shape, I mean, as far as their physical shape, you know, because I right. know for myself I gained, I gained some weight over the holidays, I think like we all do. And, and so one of yeah. my goals for me personally is I, as I increase my cardio workouts, you know, I've really bumped those up to, to kind of get that weight off. And so one of the things that I do with the students is, is I talk to them about that to begin with because I put them into really two categories from, you know, do they need to maybe, you know, lose a little bit of weight and get their cardio up or do they need to gain some strength? And so I, talk, I give them some exercises to get their golf muscles, and this is because a lot of what I'm doing is indoors. So this is, you know, I really want to emphasize this. It's a lot easier to emphasize this in this early spring than it is in July. Um, so it's, right. you know, I really try to get this, Hey, this is not something we're just going to do for a week. This is not a 90 day thing. This is for the rest of your life. These are the exercises. If you want to play better golf, this is what you need to do. The next thing I do right. is pitching. And you guys have already talked about that. I, uh, in fact, I just did a video series on, it's called the pitch perfect scoring system. I'm a big believer of the average golfer is not going to hit the green in regulation. And if you can right. pitch the ball, you know, Harvey Pinnock said this, if you can pitch the ball close to the hole, it makes putting a lot easier. So the better you are at pitching, uh, the, the fewer putts you're going to have. Obviously, your score will be lower. So I really emphasize the pitching. Uh, and, and I like the idea of what you're talking about with the distance is, you know, anything in, under 60 yards is where the majority of people are going to be um, in two to three shots or maybe four shots. Um, and then putting, you know, there's just a, there's a lot of different putting. A lot of, th- a lot of times I spend, there's two things I really spend a lot of time on with putting. Number one is their setup, but number two is the time of their stroke. I want them to take the putter back into the ball in one second. So I have a metronome that I use. Again, this is something that you can do indoors. You can do this in your, in your home. But, but that's what tour players do is they have a repeatable a stroke, they have a repeatable swing where their club goes back into the ball at the same time every time. Um, I emphasize in the full swing, I emphasize the importance of driving. You know, dr- the, you know getting your first shot out there is, is very important. Um, so I, I definitely, as the weather starts getting warmer, we get outside, or maybe if we're hitting, you know, from the inside out to the outside, I, I do some 
do, do some of that. But, but one of the first things that I do with them is right off the bat is I try to set, sit down with them and set out, all right, here are our goals. Where are your handicaps? Because right now, what are your goals? What do we need to do? Do you need more distance? Do you need to improve your putting? Do you need to work on your up and down percentage? Try to set a, a plan for the year. And I, I try to emphasize to every student that you need to take a playing lesson. When, when the weather gets warmer, we need to take a playing lesson and not worry about hitting seven irons off the tee. You know, we need to focus on uh, actually being able to go out there and lower our score. So that's kind of – in, in the 90 days, the first 90 days, that's kind of the way I approach it. Yeah, and, and those are uh, some great tips as well and, and some uh, great ideas, John. And, and I agree wholeheartedly. And, and make no mistake, um, for those of you tuning into the show tonight, um, when I talk about this 90-day challenge, um, this is certainly not going to be the only thing. You're going to obviously have to continue to working on some of the other things. Um, but, again, I think a lot of our, our, our amateur golfers – lose a tremendous amount of strokes, uh, I feel, anyways, from what I've observed uh, over the years, from that sort of, you know, 60-yard range and end. Um, most people, you know, that, that have played golf for any length of time, they can get uh, to most greens, you know, two, three, or even four shots, depending on the length of the hole. Uh, but then once they get in, as you pointed out, John, you know, they're not hitting, um, you know, a lot of them aren't getting uh, in uh, on the green in regulation. And this is where that short game is going to really fall in. The reason why I specifically also wanted to point out about the lag putting, um, this is a great opportunity. You can't always judge the speed uh, of a green when you're hitting three or four foot putts all the time, which I see a lot of these guys out there doing. They get in, they, they hit these short putts, and you can certainly around the hole get an idea. Um, but how many times have we seen a lot of our amateur golfers out there They'll hit the far side of the green. They're nowhere near the pin, and they have no idea of the speed or feel that they're going to need. Now, obviously, it is going to change with conditions. But if they are focusing on these uh, lag putt drills that I'm giving them to do over the course of 90 days, when they get up there, they're going to be much more confident. They're going to know if they get a 20 to 25-foot putt. They're going to know uh, generally the feeling that they're going to need to with the stroke to be able to execute that. The same thing, and again, I know they're not always going to be faced with a 60-yard, uh, sorry, 60-foot putt. Uh, some greens are not maybe designed that big, but a lot of our modern courses, they can be pretty, they can be pretty big. And there's nothing worse than getting on that, you know, far side of the green, and you've got a 50- or 60-foot putt, and you have no idea how hard to hit it. So this is why I, I spe specifically picked those types of drills, because these are areas that most golfers, I guarantee it, don't practice or practice very very little and you know again some of the other areas that we've talked about certainly they need to keep them tuned up but we uh, most of our golfers spend a lot of time uh, in the same areas of practice day in day out year out you know year out and they never seem to improve but there's areas of the game some of which I talked about obviously some of which you guys have talked about so far and and uh, Brian you're going to come up here in just a second um, that they also need to pay attention to. If they want to improve, these are some of the things that they're going to have to start working on a little bit more diligently and not just sort of haphazardly where they hit a few shots uh, and then, you know, sort of fall away and get into something else that they want to do. Um, they're just not going to do it. Um, John, thanks uh, for your thoughts and input as well. Brian, uh, you're up. Uh, any thoughts or comments to what I've, I've laid out there so far? And then let us know what you uh, think you'd like to do if you were presenting a 90-day challenge to some of your uh, students out there? 
Sure, Ted. But first off, thanks for having me on the show again. And I I love listening to Pete and John and what you said. Um, It's a tough act to follow going third here, but um, I I made some notes and I'll chime in on this. You know, up here in in New Jersey, most of our players haven't touched the club in two, three, four months, depending on uh, the winter and stuff. So my challenge that I, I was thinking about is, Um, starting out is look at your clubs, look at your equipment, you know, go get your clubs re-gripped. That's the first thing I always look at, you know, in the spring are are my clubs ready for me to to play. So, and I think a lot of that gets overlooked by a lot of players and they haven't touched their clubs in a while. So definitely get get the clubs re-gripped. That's going to save you some, some shots. The other thing, since we're talking about the short game and stuff, Go get a putter fitting. You know, putting is about 43% of the game, and it's the one club we're going to use more than any other club. Go get – make sure that club fits you and it fits your stroke. And and I, most people just pay attention to the driver and then the irons and hardly wedges and hardly ever put, the putter. But definitely go get fit for a putter. You know, I just had mine checked the other day and had the lie angle change a little bit and it made all the difference in the world just – put so much confidence knowing that your putter fits you. So I would definitely recommend that. And then the other thing is, um, and John touched on this, set some goals. You know, as the season starts out, what are your goals for improvement this season? You know, whether it's 90 days or for the whole season, what do you want to accomplish? And then put, put that down and then ask yourself, how are you going to accomplish it? You know, how much time do you need to put in? to accomplish those goals, talk to your coach, talk to your instructor and see what's involved. You know, you might have to work on your short game more or whatever, but definitely get some goals. And then the other thing I thought about up here in New Jersey is for the first 30 days, don't burn yourself out. You know, most people aren't ready to play golf. They're not in shape uh, for the spring and they come out in April and they take all these swings and they're going at it and they, you know, pull their back out or their hamstrings, just kind of take <laughs> it easy. You know, if you're not golf ready, at least up here in the right. Northeast, I see that all the time. So those are the things I would challenge people the first 30 days, you know, get your clubs ready, uh, make sure they fit you um, and definitely go slow. And then, then the second month, um, commit yourself to some lessons, you know, and, and, and continue that for the 90 days and throughout the year, a lesson every two weeks or three weeks is so beneficial because you got somebody that knows your game, somebody that can help you and somebody that can keep you on track. So that, that's very important. And then Ted, the last thing I, I think, you know, this time of year, I love watching golf on TV when I get a chance, you know, there's so many great players, but I, I always ask my students, you know, do you watch golf on TV? And, and, a lot of them don't. And to me, that you're watching the best players and you can see how they putt and you can see how they chip and, and their routines and stuff. There's so much to learn just from watching the game. And, and I think that's important. And I, and I, I really I challenge people to, to get, you know, spend 15 minutes on Saturday and Sunday just watching golf. It's, it's going to help their swing, help their rhythm and, and their game um, all over. So that, that's where I would go with that, Ted. Right. Well said, Brian. Um, you know, one of the things, too, that, that you know, I, I like to emphasize when I work with a lot of my corporate clients is that sort of pre-shot routine. This is the perfect time of year. I mean, most of them, uh, 
you know, I, I get after them and I say, look, through the winter months, if you're up in, in the northeast uh, or uh, northern states or many of the ones I, I still communicate back home uh, in Canada, um, I say, you know, don't become a couch potato and just sit there. If you can't get to an indoor facility, here's some drills and things that you can do in your home. Uh, some can involve the putter. Some can in, involve, uh, depending on their, their circumstances, they can take a short iron, whether it be a wedge or nine iron or something along that. And I'll give them specific drills that they can do. I want them to work on their grip. I want them to work on their posture and their stance. And then as John pointed out, you know, we've all put on a few fresh pounds, I'm sure, through the winter. Maybe not everybody, but I know I have, I'm in that boat too, John. Um, but, you know, let's get ourselves into a, a good routine. You don't have to hit the gym and, and you know, bulk up or, or anything like that. But you want to start getting your flexibility because there's nothing worse as I'm sure all of three of you would attest to, um, there's nothing worse than if you've been sitting around for two or three months because the weather's not been that great and you're, you're, up, you're kind of out of shape, your, your muscles aren't really uh, warmed up, if you will, you haven't been doing any stretching or anything that, that's really gotten you, your juices going. And then, Brian, as you pointed out, you, know, you get out there and they start swinging the clubs and the next thing you know, they're, they're you know, arching their back, they're, their hand on their hip, and they've already started off the season in a bad way. So what I would say is do virtually everything that we've talked about here so far tonight. All, all three of you guys have given some great uh, pointers, some great comments. Um, and I think what I want them to do that are listening to the show is whatever routine that you put into play, uh, get together obviously with your local professional and get them to help guide you and lead you into uh, some kind of format, whether you take my 90-day challenge or any of the other guys' challenges uh, or uh, another professional that you might be working with, get out there and get your game plan going now. Even if you can't go and hit balls right now because your circumstances are such that, again, the climate or you don't have a, a good indoor facility nearby to do that, um, at least reach out to your uh, local professional. Start the, the, the dialogue going and say, I need to get something. What can I be doing now uh, to prepare for getting ready. Brian, you touched on some great things as well. Uh, you know, getting the clubs regripped, uh, getting your, your putter fitted, make sure that your putter as well as the other clubs are fitted correctly. Um, there's nothing worse than getting out there what, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're playing golf or anything else and you don't have the right tools for your, for the task at hand. So that's a great point as well. Get out there and, and do some, some physical uh, things and, and make sure that you're doing things to get yourself physically prepared uh, as well. Um, John, I want to go back to you for a second, and then uh, Brian, I'll rotate to you, and then Pete, I'll, I'll let you bring up the rear a little bit. Um, you know, John, this is, uh, I guess, a, a, a crucial time for a lot of our, our club golfers out there and, and high handicap uh, golfers to really get in, in tune for the season. What types of things, I know you've mentioned a few of them already, but what specific things do you want your golfers even if they can't get out and, and start hitting balls yet, what do you want them specifically to be working on right now in preparation for when they come to see you? Um, the first thing is, is I want them to work on their setup. Um, I think that um, when I, you know, have gone to tour events, when I've coached out on the PGA tour and, and LPGA, um, the one thing that I see every single tour player do is work on their setup. That is the most universal thing that I see. Um, and they do it with alignment aids um, and, and real, ba you know, target line, ball position, distance from the ball. 
those things because even the best players in the world get off. And, um, and it's more, you know, I think it's so important because, you know, when you look at a tour player like Tiger and he's swinging at 120 miles an hour, um, if he's off a little bit in his setup, that ball is going to go offline. Um, and so, yeah. um, you know, I try to emphasize that how important that is because none of the other things can happen if you don't get the setup right. And then I focus a lot on uh, timing in the swing. Um, I, I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see a, a lot of young teachers coming up. I think they get too wrapped up in, in I think video is important. But I don't think you need to give sure. people an hour worth of video. I think that be able, to be able to address someone and say, okay, you take the club back too slowly and then you have a very fast transition, or you take the club back too fast and you have a slow and, – and because you take the club back too fast, you have a long swing, and because you have a long swing, you release the club early, you know, those things. I try to emphasize to them how important the timing is because timing – if you have, uh, and this was really as a young instructor um, getting to watch Payne Stewart take lessons, uh, when I actually saw Payne Stewart swing in slow motion, I realized it was not nearly as good as I thought it was. But his tempo and right. timing were so beautiful that he looked like an artist, that you just were captivated by that. So I really try to emphasize that to, to my students. And you can do this with the orange whip. You can do this with having people uh, use a metronome. You can do this like a lot. If I get someone who has a, a really quick golf swing, um, I will have them maybe hit seven irons uh, 70 or 80 yards to force them. Say, I would give them a target and say, I'm going to give you way too much club, and now you're going to have to slow your swing down. You're going to have to feel the club head. To, to fit the way I want it to be. Or if someone's too slow, I'll give them exercises that will speed up their swing. So I think those are things that, that, that a lot of students will really, uh, you know, because if you can get the timing of your swing down, then your distance control is going to be good in your short game, and you're going to get the most power that you have uh, out of your swing. Yeah, well said, John. Um, you're exactly right. And, and I think anything really that you can do, uh, to prepare, especially as the season starts to, to uh, you know, to, to come together. I mean, again, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I know for, for some that are particularly up in the Northeast and even the Northwest and in areas where maybe the, the climate is not conducive and, and you don't have the opportunity to, to get out there and actually, you know, uh, hit some balls, there's a lot of things that you can be doing. And, and as you pointed out, John, you know, working on the setup, you're exactly right. You know, we see this all the time. And this is why, you know, it is important to, to watch the pros. You don't have to emulate the pros as far as the way they swing at the cl- uh, swing the club or anything like that, um, because everybody's unique and we all have our own uh, unique swings. But uh, you can certainly take some notes as to how they're setting up and how they're addressing the ball and how they, um, you know, have sort of their pre-shot routines. Again, you can develop your own pre-shot routine, but you might get some great ideas. Um, Brian, what about you? Um, you know, we're, we're getting, as you, you mentioned, off the air. Um, you know, you've been kind of working a little bit on your own uh, here in, the, in preparation for the season to get tuned up, but it's not always easy when you've you got a little bit of snow on the ground, so you have to go indoors. Um, maybe for those that don't have access to a facility, um, what are some great – have you got any great drills that you'd like to share that they can do in their own home in, in preparation to get ready uh, to come out and see you? Sure, Ted. You know, I think up here in the Northeast, you know, I think if we can keep our bodies golf ready, 
um, for the spring, that's a big jump um, when you when you come out. And I, I was just jotting down some notes. Some of the things I like to do is I definitely like to work on my core. You know, I do a lot of planks and um, a lot of squats, uh, trying trying to get the leg strength strong. And then down in my basement, I've got a cinder block wall, and I've got a, a four-pound medicine ball that I like to throw against the wall, you know, from from a impact position through. And and if you do that like ten times and the ball comes back, man, I can really feel the sequencing that I'm looking for. I'm getting my hips involved and, and transferring my weight to the left side, and and you can get your heart rate going. So it it keeps you in shape, you know. So if you do that three three times a week or whatever, ten to twenty throws, that that is so beneficial to get your body ready for the spring. And um, the other thing, you know, and John mentioned a good point, you know, work on your setup. You know, but do that. Do it also in front of a mirror. Look at some of your positions. You know, look at look at the top of the swing. Yeah. Where's the club face? Is it positioned? You know, and just get a club in your hand every day. You know, before the spring hits, and just swing it. Um, that's so beneficial to get your hand strength stronger. You know, your body loosened up to swing, and you know all that rotational stuff you're doing just by swinging a club is gonna help you in the springtime. And um, there's no reason why. You know, 30 days before we get out there, um, we we can start getting our bodies ready ready for this season. It's just going to really help. Even you don't have to hit a ball to get better, but but you do have to work on your setup and, and get your hands prepared and your clubs. And if you can get your body going, get it stronger, you're you're going to come out of the gates flying. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well said, um, Pete. I know you've got a great training device that uh, you have been using for, for many, many years with your students. And uh, it, it sort of leads into what I want to ask you is obviously something similar to what I just asked the other two gentlemen. Um, but we also have to, to work on our technique. And again, if we don't have the option to get out there and hit balls, I think your, your training uh, device, if you want to tell, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give a shameless plug here uh, about the device and, and how they can maybe be using that to, to help hone in on that technique so go ahead well you're right that it's, it's called the simple swing repeater and you know over the years i developed it to enhance my swing program and the way i think the club should be you know moved throughout the swing so it's really a great deal for all of my players who in the wintertime don't have the ability to get out they can take a club and they can work on those particular positions looking at where they you know they all know what they should be and uh, so they can they can take it I even took it one step further with uh, I have a piece of rebar that we actually put a grip on and uh, use it so it's a little bit heavier weighted, and we actually uh, trimmed the end of it down and stuck a club head on the end of it. And so now you can you wow. not only move it into positions, but it weighs, it's heavy. And, you know, it doesn't take but, you know, about three or four sets and you know, your, your arms are barking at you. But it's just a, a, another way to, you know, to work out and make it work. And uh, and I'm I'm a big proponent on you know I know a lot of guys don't don't like to talk positions but but I do because I think they're important especially with what you know what I'm doing you know and then it all gets you know put into a a you know a free flowing swing but one other thing that you know I've been beneficial you were talking about over the winter months gaining weight I'm I'm on the opposite side I'm 40 pounds down um, because I've, I'm met up with my chiropractor does a, a program through the wellness way, which is on nutrition and, and looking at the foods that people eat. And um, that's another thing that I'm 
you know, bringing out to my players too, is getting them to understand a little bit about nutrition, what they eat and, you know, and, and getting them to understand that, you know, having the right fuel is going to help you play better and it's going to help you last longer on the golf course. And so, you know, that's a part of what, what I'm doing with a lot of my players now is to make sure that, you know, along with some fitness, but also the nutrition side, make sure they're, you know, eating the right things and doing the right things. And, and uh, it's been a great program to be able to, to, to marry into what I'm doing with, with the golf and the nutrition. And of course, I've got a daughter who's got a degree in it. So it's a, it's even helpful there to bounce ideas off of her from some nutrition and some workouts that can enhance the different things that we're doing. So, um, you know, John O'Brien had some great things too. Um, I mean, you know, lumping all these things together, I think you're going to come out of the winter ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Pete, you know, really the key thing guys, and, and let me just touch a little bit on nutrition. You're exactly right, Pete. You know, I'm, I'm going to be um, in, in just a few hours, uh, I'm going to be hitting another milestone. Another year uh, is going to be ticking. Um, obviously it's a subtle hint that my birthday is tomorrow. So um, Happy but, birthday, um, well, thank you. Um, but, you know, so I'm trying to be more conscious of, of what I eat. I mean, I always eat, you know, pretty good for the most part. I do cheat a little bit, uh, I think, as we all do from time to time. But, you know, I, when you start getting, especially when you get above your 50s, um, you know, obviously your body, uh, you start to change a little faster than you'd like sometimes. So you have to be more conscious of that. And, and one key thing that, that, guys, I think that we is important to touch on, because obviously as, as we all start to age, um, we notice energy levels change as well. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're playing up in the Northeast in the summer or you, even here in the winter uh, or in the fall down here in Florida, you know, sometimes the heat can really get to you. And if your energy is zapped because you're not nutritionally eating well, um, you know, it's very, very hard not only to execute the shots that need to, need to be executed, uh, but it's hard to keep those energy levels up. Um, to allow you to be able to think your way around the golf course. It's not just a matter of the physical side of the game, but the mental side of the game as well. If you're not sharp and by the time you get to hole number 10, uh, you're almost out of steam, and I don't care whether you're driving a cart or not, um, mentally you can be drained playing those 18 holes, whether you're driving a cart or not. So, you know, nutrition, Pete, as you said, is, is crucial and very, very important uh, to make sure that you're eating uh, some healthy foods, and, uh, you know, as much as I know, when that cart girl comes out, uh, we want to grab for a hot dog or, or some other um, snack that maybe not be the best thing or, or a couple of beers, you know, save the beer if you want to have a, a cold drink, maybe for after round when you're celebrating how well you've uh, been playing. But that's an area too, I think, guys, and I'm, I'm sure you'd all agree that you want to be able to do things that are going to keep your energy levels up so that you can be sustained throughout those, uh, those 18 holes and be able to play your best golf and give yourself the best opportunity. Um, so guys, let me ask you, we, we've got a little bit of time uh, left here. Uh, great job, by the way. Uh, I want to ask you from your own standpoint, what do you personally, and, and I'm going to start from the original order, Pete, uh, John, and then, and then Brian, what do you do personally through the winter, uh, the winter months to kind of keep yourself tuned up and, and sharp um, in order to be able to, to get ready for what we traditionally would call the regular uh, golf season. What do you do, Pete? Well, it started for me with, with the nutritional side, trying to get myself healthy and, and um, you know, just better handle, you know, the workload and, and what happens. So, 
you know, I was fortunate enough to, to get down and, and really work into the nutrition side and, you know, I've lost 40 pounds. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's been also a, a difference in getting the golf swing going because I could tell you when you lose that weight and then you pick a club up and start swinging, it's different. Um, totally yes. different. So the balance was different. So, so what I've done this winter has really worked on indoors. I've, I've just taken the swing and, and, and broke it down into the positions that I want to put it in and just working on a little bit of timing, a little bit of balance, uh, definitely in the setup um, because now it's, it's, it's actually all pretty new um, from a, and it's a totally different feel. And, you know, it's, I, I picked up a 40 pound dumbbell the other day and I thought, goodness gracious, no wonder I had more balance back then having that big load sitting on me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of weight. And so, you know, that to me is, is just, you know, I like to slow it down, really, really work at the, you know, making sure that the, as John mentioned before, that the setup is right. Um, you know, and yeah. really start to, to move the club, and just work on getting the hands and arms and the club and the body working together and, uh, you know, working on the, on the routines and just making sure that, you know, the body physically can move properly and, um, you know, doing some, some stretching and some, you know, just some routine exercises too, just to make sure that, you know, as I come out in the spring and, you know, as, you know, Brian's so well put, I mean, they come out and they'll hit, you know, 5,000 balls in about 28 minutes just to, you know, cause they haven't been hitting balls, <laughs> you know, cause they're so right. ready to go. And, uh, you know, you have to get yourself prepared so that when you do come out, you know, and start really hitting shots that, you know, the body's ready and, and ready to work. Well said. Um, John, what about you? I know probably some similar uh, steps as, as Pete just talked about, but what about yourself? Uh, you, you've got to obviously uh, keep in, in good shape and, and keep yourself uh, golf ready, if you will, uh, as the new season rolls around. What do you do? Anything specific? Well, this year, uh, Ted, I really have increased my cardiovascular. I, I've, I'm doing a lot of, whether it's on the treadmill, the gym I belong to has a track, and I've been on there. I've been going. Instead of before, I would kind of, when I, and I go to the gym anywhere from five to six days a week. Um, I, I used to go in and warm up for about 15 or 20 minutes, and now I go do weights or whatever. Um, now it's much more than that. I'm doing a minimum of 30 minutes. I'm trying to, of just cardio. Um, and you know, one day a week I'll walk five miles. A lot of days, uh, today I walk two, uh, tomorrow I might walk three. I'm trying to really increase that to, to keep myself, you know, just for, to keep my weight where I want it, uh, coming off the winter months and, and, uh, really trying to strengthen my heart as well. I just turned 51. So, um, you know, I know that's important. Um, I've always been pretty good about my diet. I do like to cheat, um, and I do like the occasional beer. So, uh, you know, those, those are things that, uh, when I do that, I just try to work out more the next day to, to offset it. But when it comes to golf, I really spend a lot of time and we have a, in New Albany, we do have a, an, a facility where we can hit into indoors. We can open the doors if we get a pretty decent day and hit out into the range. I don't, I, this is one thing I would recommend to all the listeners out there. Don't worry about hitting drivers. I hit nothing but wedges, especially when it's cold. Yeah. I open those doors up. It's 30 degrees or 20 degrees. I don't want to hit a driver in 20-degree weather. You don't see tour players playing in 20-degree weather. So I feel I would right. get much more out of my workout because what I'm afraid is going to happen is if I start going out at full swings and that cold air hit, I'm afraid I'm going to pull yeah. a muscle and, and, and hurt myself. So I really stick to pitching, and we have a little indoor putting area, and I'll spend time doing putting. I love to swing the orange whip, and I'm real big into medicine balls. 
throw it like with a lot of my students will throw the ball back and forth to each other, you know, an eight pound ball and turn and toss the ball and, and really work on our rotary motion. So I'm trying to do a lot more of anything I can do that's rotary, that stretches or strengthens, that's what I'm going to do. Well said, and, and some great, uh, great tips and pointers as well. Thanks, John. Um, Brian, uh, I know you've probably touched on a few already uh, tonight, but um, what specifically are you doing? Anything to, uh, to get yourself golf ready for the season? Ted, you know, the wintertime is great to recharge the batteries. That's number one after, after the season. But um, I, I love to walk. Um, you know, I'm always walking around the neighborhood maybe three times a week. I got to keep my legs strong, you know, and golfers got to understand if, if they don't have a good solid base underneath them, those legs are weak. It's going to affect the rest of the swing. So, you know, and, you, and you've got to be walking because a lot of golfers walk. It, it helps. So I do a lot of walking during the week, and then I've, I've got a bike, an exercise bike down in my basement, and I like to get either three to six miles, you know, about three days a week. So that's important. Um, medicine balls, like I said before, I got one in my basement, and I, I do my rotary throws. And 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 uh, like like John said, that's a great exercise to keep your body in shape um, because we, we hardly do anything rotary during our days. You know, we're either sitting, lying down, or walking forward. We don't turn our bodies, and, and golfers have to realize, you know, the golf swing's a rotary action. We have to be strong there. And at home, in, in my house, I've got a club in probably every room, um, you know, especially <laughs> my putter. So I'm always working on my putter. You know, I put clubs in a room, so I just pick it up, you know, look at my setup, grip it. I'm always, so I got plenty of clubs lying around the house just, just to get it in my hand. And then I like to watch golf on TV in the wintertime, you know, when January hits and the, the pros are playing. That gets me pumped up. It makes you know, I, watching these guys play, and there's so many great players. You know, so that that gets me going, and it it, it, it uh, you know I, I think that can help anybody. You know, by watching it and stuff like that. But those are the things I do during the winter time, just try to recharge the bat the battery a little bit and get to make sure my body's strong. I try to get as strong as I can in the winter time because once the season hits, you know, it's more of a maintenance kind of phase for our bodies right. and stuff. But uh, you know, if, if a couple a couple winters ago I had a shoulder operation and I couldn't work out um, like I usually do, and and that season I, I felt the difference. I my legs weren't underneath me. I really never swung the club that well because of my shoulder, but I could tell physically I just wasn't as strong because I didn't prepare myself um, like I usually do in wintertime, and it, it makes a difference. Get get out there and get golf ready. That's what I would yeah, tell well people. said. Yeah, well said, Brian. I I agree wholeheartedly, and and I much like all of you uh, do some uh, a lot of similar things. I won't get into uh, a whole uh, myriad of things because uh, I, I don't want to sort of get repetitive. But I, I do a lot of the similar things that, that all three of you do as well to, to keep myself. And one of the things I did this year, and and for those of you that fall into this category. Uh, get your your eye prescription updated to make sure that you can actually see the ball. Um, you know, if you're using glasses that you've had for four or five years and your prescription's a little outdated or contacts, uh, it might be a good idea to visit your optometrist and get that updated because uh, you you can't be you know worried about where your drive's going, um, how far it's going rather if you can't see where it's going. So make sure you get that updated as well that's um, a great, point. great conversation yeah you'd be surprised uh i i know that uh, even for myself you know i 
I noticed my night vision, my night driving was getting a little bit foggy, and and uh, I thought, well, it's time. It'd been it'd been two years. I usually try to go every year, but it'd been a couple of years, and it didn't change a lot, but just changed a little bit. So that's something to to, to uh, think about as well, especially as we age, uh, our, our bodies change, not just physically, but um, your eyes change as well, and and that can make a difference, especially with putting too. You know, a lot of people have difficulty reading greens as it is. Well, it makes it a whole heck of a lot easier when you've got the right uh, prescription glasses on. So uh, get your prescriptions updated, guys. Um, uh, guys, I want to I thank you for, for uh, a great discussion tonight. And, and for those, those tuning into the show, um, you know, whether you take my 90-day challenge or you sort of incorporate a lot of things, it isn't really what's important. What's important is to develop yourself a routine that you can be consistent with in order to help you improve as you go along. There's nothing worse than just going out to the range and raking and hitting balls because you're not going to improve. You want to connect with one of these three guys, which um, they're going to tell you exactly how you can do that if you want, um, because most of them, if not all of them, are online as well. So if you can't visit them personally, they can probably help you online. Um, but you need to uh, connect with your local uh, golf professional and uh, help uh, get them to help you put a, a good game plan together, uh, your own sort of 90-day challenge, if you will. They'll certainly be able to step up and give you some great pointers and some great tips as we gear up for the new season. And as Brian pointed out there at the end, um, you know, watch the guys, especially it's getting kind of exciting now. Tigers uh, getting back into the game and and uh, lots of, of good uh, uh, fever running, if you will, and excitement about him being back in. And, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was about three or four back uh, in the in the um, uh, Bay Hill Invitational on uh, the first round, so it's uh, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Um, Brian, I'm going to start with you, and then John, and then Pete. Uh, how can the folks uh, that are interested, in maybe reaching out, connecting with you? Uh, what's the best way to do that? Sure, Ted. Thanks. Um, if if anybody's up in the New Jersey, up here in the north, um, I'm at Montclair Golf Club. Stop by. Uh, the number there is nine seven three. 239-0160, or you can email me at PGA at yahoo.com. Um, good luck to everybody, and, and Ted, thanks for having me on the show again. And uh, Pete and John, have great great seasons, man. I appreciate um, everything you you said. I learned more from listening to you guys than anybody's going to learn from me, so uh, I appreciate that, guys. Thanks. Well, thank you, Brian, as always, for, for jumping in on the panel. I uh, appreciate your thoughts and input as well. And, and uh, the idea is we want to learn from each other um, and help one another as we uh, progress through our careers. But also we want to help the listeners out there that are tuning in. Um, John, uh, best way to reach you if, if somebody wants to connect and, and maybe get a little help with their game. Well, first of all, happy birthday, and thanks again for having me on the show. And Pete and Brian, <laughs> I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, one of the best ways to see my videos, I, do, I, I work for a company called GolfSwing.com, and if you go to GolfSwing.com forward slash John Decker, and I spell my name J-O-N-D-E-C-K-E-R, and John Decker is all one word. Um, I, have almost, I have over 90 videos on there from uh, putting all the way to full swing and pre-shot routine and all that. You can also follow me on Facebook. Um, under John Decker Golf Instruction. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and I post videos on there on all those social uh, media platforms. Um, and as far as my book goes, um, my book is available uh, in hardcover, softcover, or an ebook, and it's on Amazon 
and, uh, and Barnes and Noble websites. And the name of the book is Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game. And it is a Christian book with a lot of golf stories in there. I do have a Bible study uh, with it as well that um, I, I've gone to churches, I've come to golf courses and, and will speak. And uh, if you have a junior group or a ladies group or men's group or something along those lines, um, I'm willing to come and, and you know, um, and speak at, at groups like that. So, uh, if again, if you if you want to do that, you can reach me on any of the uh, social media platforms, and I'll be glad to come uh, to your area and, uh, and uh, talk a little bit about that. And, again, thanks again, Ted, for having me on. Oh, always a pleasure, John. Thank you. Um, Pete, uh, how can the folks reach out to you if they uh, want a little help with their game? Well, again, thanks, Ted, for having me on. And, and John and Brian, it's great uh, chatting with you tonight. Uh, and as Brian said, it's always great to, to listen to what you guys have to say and, and continue to learn. Uh, they can find me at plainsimplegolf.com. That's P-L-A-N-E is the plane. Uh, all my contact info is out there. I'm on Facebook, to Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming. I'm, I'm just uh, hooking up with Blast Motion for this year, so I'm looking forward to all the things that are, are going to be coming in that direction. Uh, just uh, uh, from the, the platforms that they have and the things that can work out. So, um, yeah, if you're interested, I do a bunch of uh, online instruction as well. So if you're not in my area, don't hesitate to give me a holler and be happy to, to chat with you and, and see what we can do for your game. So, but then, and then especially happy birthday, Ted. Thank yeah, you Ted, very happy much. Birthday, I, I appreciate it. And I promise you that wasn't a shameless plug uh, for my birthday. I just <laughs> thought I would throw that out there since it was sort of, uh, talking about aging and, and whatnot. But guys, as always, uh, Pete, John, and, and Brian, thank you as always. Uh, I, I really mean this sincerely. I appreciate you guys stepping up in the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, and uh, I like having you guys come back on as, as much as you want because you do a, a fantastic job. And uh, I get lots of great feedback from the listeners. Uh, and, and not just the, the amateur golfers out there, but obviously uh, a lot of fellow professionals that enjoy the, the segment. We've got some new ones that have joined in on the panel discussions this year, so I'm excited to, to give them uh, their shot. And uh, this is my sixth season doing this broadcast, Golf Talk Live, and uh, season four for having Coach's Corner. And uh, everybody enjoys this segment, uh, as well as uh, not just the guys that are participating in it, but the people listening in it as well. So, uh, again, thanks, guys. Have a great, uh, uh, a great evening and a great weekend. And I look forward to uh, you guys coming back on on future panels. So uh, go and enjoy the uh, Bay Hill Invitational, guys, and uh, keep doing all the great things that you're doing. And I'll see you next time on the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, great. Ted. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, thanks Pete. Thanks, thanks John. Dad. Be good, guys. Thanks, guys. All right. That was my very special guest. On the uh, Coach's Corner panel, it's Pete Buchanan, John Decker, and Brian Dobby. And as they mentioned, uh, you can find them uh, virtually on uh, all kinds of social media platforms. So if you're interested in working with them, uh, by all means, uh, you know, feel free to, uh, to reach out to them. And for some reason, if uh, you're having difficulty finding them, uh, you're welcome to reach out to me, and I will certainly be more than happy to forward you their contact information um, if you didn't happen to get it, or you can go back and listen to the show uh, in its entirety if you're just joining in a little bit late and you can get the information there. But either way, um, always look forward to helping these guys out. They do uh, a great job on the panel discussions uh, uh, every year uh, when they come on, and uh, some of them come back on a little bit more often than others, uh, obviously as their schedules permit. But uh, I, I appreciate their thoughts and input. 
and uh, I know that uh, those of you tuning into the show as well. Uh, I got a great guest coming up here in just a, a minute or two, and I'm going to tell you just uh, just a little bit about him. Um, his name is Chris Doster. I had a pleasure of talking with him a couple of months ago on the phone. Uh, just a, a very interesting gentleman, and he's uh, a digital marketer. Works with a lot of different uh, uh, clients, but uh, particularly in the golf industry. He'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, he's also uh, an author. Uh, he's been involved in, in a number of books. We'll talk about those as well. Uh, and also uh, likes to blog as well, not just about golf, but other areas as well. We'll, we'll uh, add that in the mix as, as well. But his name is Chris Doster. He's going to be coming on here uh, in just a few moments. But let me remind, as I wait for him, let me remind everybody, of course, uh, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central or 7 to 9 uh, for those of you uh, on the East Coast on the blogtalkradio.com network. Just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live or just type golf talk live up in the search key and uh, that will take you to the main page and of course we'll be front and center right there. Uh, but for some reason if you're not able to join us live uh, not to worry just visit that link anytime blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and just scroll down the page to the on demand section and you'll see all of the previously aired shows, including tonight's show, will be there a little bit later on after the broadcast, and you can listen to the recorded version. So if, if uh, 6 to 8 isn't a good time for you to tune in, not to worry. You can go and listen anytime when it's convenient for you. And you can, of course, uh, by visiting that link, you can listen anywhere around the globe. We have listeners that literally tuning in from virtually every country that you can imagine uh, around this globe. The, the uh, show has done extremely well in the, the first five years, and I'm hoping to make uh, year number six uh, even better than the previous five. So we're going to keep plugging away here. Um, also, uh, if you're somebody that enjoys maybe listening on a different social media platform, you can also find Golf Talk Live on iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, and uh, now TuneIn.com. And again, just type in Golf Talk Live under the podcast section, uh, search key, and that will take you right to the main page. Uh, for those of you that maybe uh, want to also tune in on Tuesday mornings, uh, let me just remind everybody, of course, Tuesday mornings on the same uh, networks, blogtalkradio.com, uh, you can tune into the Women of Golf show with my uh, good friend and co-host, LPGA professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, as we uh, uh, talk golf every Tuesday morning for the ladies out there. Uh, of course, many of them uh, tune into Golf Talk Live, but I wanted to do a, a show that was uh, specific to uh, the, the ladies out there. Uh, we've had the pleasure of interviewing some, some of the, the legends of the game, Kathy Whitworth, uh, Rosie Jones, Carol Mann, Jane Blaylock, uh, and many, many others that have been on the show. Um, Shirley Spork, of course, one of the original uh, 13 founders of the LPGA uh, Tour, uh, was the guest of mine as well. So a lot of great ladies on there, many uh, up-and-comers from the Symmetra Tour. We've had the op opportunity of uh, interviewing them as well on the show. Um, but the show obviously is, is geared more for the women's market to try and uh, you know, foster the growth there as more and more women uh, become aware of, of the game and, and interested in, in, uh, in taking it up. Uh, we want to do our part. So make sure you tune in Tuesday mornings at uh, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the blogtalkradio.com network and look for the women of golf, uh, and you'll hear Cindy and I uh, every Tuesday morning. And we've got a great show coming up uh, next week, so you want to make sure. Uh, in fact, it's going to be one of our uh, panel discussions, as I mentioned to you last week and the previous week. Um, we are going to start hosting every uh, third Tuesday of the month, beginning next week, which will be March the 20th. Uh, we're going to have, for the full hour, uh, we're going to have a great panel discussion, and my very special guest, uh, one of my very special guests next week is uh, Gianna Rojas, uh, the one-handed lady golfer. Uh, as she champions, really, for many, many uh, individuals out there that uh, have uh, 
disabilities or difficulties and um, she's a real champion and she's using golf as one of her platforms as uh, trying to, to sort of spread the word. So we're going to have a great discussion next week. So make sure you tune in next Tuesday morning. As I mentioned, I, I'm going to be joined now by my very special guest, uh, Chris Doster, a digital marketer and blogger and author uh, on the show. And uh, we're going to have a great discussion on the second half of the show. So please welcome my very special guest, Chris Doster. Ted, Chris, good show. evening. Boy, I enjoyed. Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad uh, that you were able to tune into a little bit before. Um, we had uh, a great Coach's Corner panel on this evening, uh, all of them from the Northeast. Uh, Brian Dobby, of course, is from New Jersey, so he's not, not too far away from where you are. Of course, Chris is, is up in Lake George, uh, New York. And I've already told them a little bit about you. Uh, but I want to mention uh, a great book, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Um, that you authored, and that was uh, Golf Discovered, Find Your Game Before You Lose Your Mind, which was kind of an interesting <laughs> title. And uh, we're going to talk about some other things, uh, another uh, book that you uh, co-authored with uh, Brett Freeman, who's going to be on next week, uh, The Club, A User's Manual, and it's based on the teachings of uh, Manuel De La Torre. And also, uh, we'll uh, sort of bring this all in uh, as well, but uh, you're also involved in, in a different uh, line of work, if you will, and, and also were involved in a book, uh, skin is in secrets of a plastic surgeon we'll talk about that as well um, as well as doing some some blogging at uh, chrisdoster.com um, but chris let me just ask you this uh, let, let's sort of go back a little bit um, you know I, I took up golf at a very early age you were a little bit later to the game tell us a little bit about um, uh, how you sort of got drawn to golf and and uh, and roughly how old were you when you, when you sort of picked up your, your clubs and Ted, I, I got to tell you, I didn't touch a golf club until I was 29 years old. Uh, I was in the medical sales industry, and uh, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm what you call an adult learner. And some of us uh, adult learners, your, your prior three guests will probably know unequivocally, are very difficult to, uh, to work with. And I was one of right. <laughs> So, uh, and it's funny, you, you mentioned uh, eyesight, and I could not agree with you more, Ted. Uh, I would recommend yep. to anybody that's approaching the age that you are, and by the way, happy pre-birthday, um, and the age Thank that you. I am, older than you, go see not only an optometrist, but an ophthalmologist. Okay, those are the guys yes. that really do the, the serious stuff. And that's how my career started. I was in medical sales after the University of South Alabama, where I went to college and ended up in Mobile, Alabama for 25 years in the, in the outside sales career. And so mm -hmm. um, as I, you know, went to my first national sales meeting, I want to say it was 1989. I'm letting my age go now, but we all <laughs> got on a bus and went to a golf course. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, this is a medical device national sales meeting. Why are we going to a golf course? And I quickly found out back the day, that most every medical device sales rep played golf because guess what? That's where they get four or five hours of the doctors or the purchasing agent or the hospital manager's undivided attention. So that yep. was kind of my foray into golf. And I also had a, an interesting friend in Mobile, Alabama, and I'm sure some of your listeners know about Mobile. It's a classic southern city, great sports town, yep. but a lot of great golfers. Uh, came from Mobile. Jimmy Green, uh, Heath Slocum went to South Alabama, my alma mater. But this individual I played basketball with until I was 31. I was a basketball player my whole life. 
high school, a little bit in college, and then leagues uh, when I graduated. He actually dove for golf balls. He and his father retired, Mr. Wow. Mack, and they would go to <laughs> Skyline Country Club and the Linksmen and all these courses that some people may have heard of in Mobile, and they would dive for golf balls. So when I found out that I should get into golf because I was in medical sales and doctors like golf, I went to him, and uh, I met him at his house, and this basement was full of 10-gallon 10, 10 buckets full of golf balls and rusted clubs. You may have seen the commercial on Golf Channel Second Swing where they get clubs that people yeah. throw into ponds. Well, they actually did that. <laughs> and so off <laughs> I went playing Spring Hill College and uh, Gulf Pines, a South Alabama little Muni track, if you will, Azalea City, a great uh, municipal course in Mobile, by the way. I'd recommend for anybody right across from the South Alabama campus with clubs that were drugged out of a pond, balls that were retrieved by Mr. Mack and Marshall, and off I went. And no lessons, and I couldn't agree with your one of your prior guests more. My gosh, if a pilot has to take lessons to learn how to fly, Playing golf yep. <laughs> is harder than flying a plane, Ted. Why people don't right. take lessons, I don't know. So that was my introduction I think to the game, phase one. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's pride. I think a lot of people are and and they're intimidated. Let's be honest, I mean, especially if they're new to the game. You know, as a as a you know as somebody that was approaching their thirties. You know, you really hadn't picked up a golf club before. You really probably didn't know a lot about the game other than what maybe you've seen on TV or, or talked with, with some friends and that. So here you are, you, you know, you're going to go to a golf course that you maybe haven't been to before, and you're going to sign up for some lessons with somebody that you really don't know about a game that you don't know a lot about. It's very intimidating for a lot of people. And I think the older you are uh, when you take up golf, the more intimidating it is because you, you've already sort of developed – um, some other habits and things like that in sports, and uh, you know, golf is a very unique sport. It's it's unlike any other game out there, and uh, there are certain similarities to other sports, uh, but it is uniquely different, and it and it takes a certain skill set. People don't realize just how difficult golf can be until you've actually uh, stepped out there. That's why I always any of the critics out there that always say to me, "Well, golf's just a you know a boring sport. You're chasing a little white ball. I don't get it." I always say to them, "Well, let's go to the practice tee, and I'll give you a, a free uh, one-hour lesson." And we'll see what you think about after. And I've never had anybody yet uh, that uh, that didn't agree with me that uh, it's a tough sport. So, um, but you know, Chris, I want to ask you something too. Now, now you sort of moved um, again. Some of you may not be familiar with the area. You you mentioned you were down in Mobile, Alabama, and then just a, a few miles uh, up the road, uh, you went to Timber Creek Golf and Country Club in Spanish Fort, Alabama, and for two years. Uh, you uh, worked uh, around the uh, golfing machine instruction. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell for the folks that don't know uh, what the golfing machine is, uh, what, what we're referring to. Well, before I answer that, could I just say one thing, Ted, you're absolutely correct. I was a, not to, not to brag, but I was a basketball player and I was a shooter. And of course, right now, March madness is in full swing. One of my favorite times of the year, <laughs> second only to the right. masters next month. And you're yep. absolutely correct. The hand-eye coordination in, in many aspects and the skills you may have in other sports simply do not translate to golf in many cases. Uh, I could always right. putt. I think that's because I was a shooter, free throws. I could always chip. 
but goodness gracious, the full swing, uh, it does not translate. You're absolutely correct. So a good friend of mine from college said, look, okay, you're in medical sales now. You're traveling around calling on doctors. You need to, get, you need to go get lessons for real. So he recommended a gentleman across the bay, and as you said, Timber Creek, a nine-hole, three nine-hole, 27-hole uh, community, a gentleman named Ron Green, and I have a lot of respect for that man. He's now in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. He is one of 13, if I can get this correct, Ted, he is one of 13 uh, golfing machine doctorate instructors in the world. And the golfing yep. machine was uh, uh, geometric golf positions, angle hinging, accumulators, probably – uh, and I write about it in the book, Golf Discovered, Find Your Game Before You Lose Your Mind, probably, without a doubt, the most complicated, intricate methodology created by man that plays the game of golf. So I went to see <laughs> Mr. Gring at Timber Creek, and this is 1994 now. I'm letting my age go again. But he was one yep. of the first, I believe, in the whole Gulf Coast, whether you're the Panhandle or all the way to Louisiana, that had one of the uh, original A-star systems. And if you know anything about I think you and I talked about this. It was uh, mm-hmm. one of the first swing analysis uh, software programs with a video camera. And so I show up having played golf with rusted clubs and used balls and ex-basketball player at this state-of-the-art practice facility, Timber Creek, and I meet Mr. Gring. And for the next two years, I'm basically taking a sabbatical in the golfing machine, and I'm surrounded by uh, Division One golfers from Auburn, Alabama, Todd Bailey, John Fridge, uh, Glenn Natchik, who played on the Nike Tour, one of Ron's you know, key students, Joe Durant, Susie Redman. A whole new world, a whole new, you know, a whole new culture, if you will, relative to golf, from equipment to apparel to lessons. And for two years, because this, is, this began my journey to try to find my game before I lost my mind, I bought a piece of property <laughs> across the street from the pro shop, and I built a house. Right. And I was in my third medical device company making way too much money than I should have. But for two years, 27 positions, uh, pressure points, your guests don't want to hear the, the, the specifics of the golfing machine. It may be a brilliant book written by Homer Kelly, but I just couldn't grasp it. A lot of people can't. Um, Morgan right. Kressel, uh, Bobby Clampett was a golfing machine guy with Ben Doyle. But my goodness, I was an athlete. I was a basketball player. It was touch. It was feel. And I just couldn't grasp it. And, you know, God bless Ron Gring. He did all he could do with me, but I was an epic fail in the golfing machine, but I was blessed to be exposed <laughs> to that, yep. that environment and those people. Ended up at the PGA Merchandise Show with Ron and one of his good buddies, John Ricchetti, who has a golf show in Mobile, uh, the John Ricchetti Golf Show by Miller, uh, Miller Light Sponsors, I believe. Met the late, great Mo Norman at an exhibition. You and I talked about this because you, know, you knew Mo. Right. And that yep. was the second step. I said, no, wait a minute. This guy for two hours, and, you know, Lee Trevino said this, other professionals, greats have said, he may be the best ball striker ever. He certainly yep. did not have golfing machine uh, uh, 
positions. He certainly did not follow no. the 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 modules and the uh, standards and the procedures. And that kind of that kind of inspired me, Ted, 1996, in that private exhibition, uh, to look at well, wow, there's got to be other ways besides just the golfing machine. And everybody's anatomy is different. Everybody's got a different fingerprint to their swing. And I met a man who was selling a book after Mo went over to his big Cadillac with clothes and empty diet Coke cans in the back. Yep. And he was selling a book <laughs> called Natural, uh, no, Golf Reform at Hand. And it was the yep. impetus of what became Natural Golf, natural. which was my next yep. foray into the golf, trying to find my game. Yeah, and you know Mo was uh, interesting. Obviously, um, you know for for those that didn't have the the pleasure of meeting Mo, um, you know he he wasn't obviously your your, your typical golfer. He had, um, you know, a, a very unique way. And I, I won't get into it because I don't want to eat up your time. But uh, but you're exactly right. And and I think you know Lee and many of the others that that got a chance to to see Mo and and watch Mo. Uh, I, I won't go as far as to say that he was the best because, I mean, some might argue uh, that Ben Hogan and, and others were, but uh, he would certainly be in the top five of the best ball strikers uh, that ever walked thus far. And it was just amazing to watch because it was very unorthodox uh, the way he swung the club compared to what you traditionally see, uh, not just in the golf machine, but in, in other methodologies out there. So um, you're exactly right there. And natural golf was, was sort of his uh, you know, uh, thumbprint, if you will. And uh, it was very, certainly very successful and worked for him. Um, I, I want to ask you, you know, a little bit, because I, I want to give you a chance to talk about your book and, and a little bit about that. Um, but I want to, I want to first ask you about some of the myths and, and maybe some of the misconceptions that uh, in today's uh, sort of conflicting, because I, I sort of led into it methodologies out there and, and maybe uh, offer some tips to some of the amateurs uh, out, out that might be listening to the show tonight. Because there are a lot of methodologies that are being thrown out there. And as you pointed out, and, and as we have many times on the show, you know, everybody is different. Everybody's body style type and, and uh, athleticism is, is different from one another. So it's, it's very, you know, hard for the industry to sort of pigeonhole everybody into the same methodology and, and, or swing theory, if you will. So talk a little bit about that, maybe some of the myths and mis- misconceptions that, uh, that are out there. Well, when, when it became obvious, Ted, that uh, my career in medical sales was just kind of uh, a sideline for me and I was bitten by the golf bug, um, when, when I fell, fell out of the graces with the inner circle of the golfing machine at Timber Creek, and God bless them all, they were awesome people, they they did their best to try to help me find my game. I went home that summer, 1996, and met a man, uh, Tony Luzak, uh, who mm-hmm. was basically validated what I watched for two hours with Mo Norman, who said, unplayable in the clouds, pure as a driven snow. I mean, he was a, right. a, a savant. I mean, he was a, a savant. And so I'm hitting balls right. on the range in my hometown with my brother, up the visit, escaping the mobile heat, and a man's watching me, six foot five, tailor-made, head to toe, comes over and says, Tony Lozak, nice to meet you. Golfing machine? And I went, yeah. So maybe I was doing it better <laughs> than I thought. But uh, anyway, Tony right. and I began a 20-plus year relationship, uh, and he's the one 
that introduced me to what I believe is probably one of the most contentious uh, spaces, if you will, I've ever seen, aside from Alabama versus Auburn fans or Democrats versus right. conservatives, and that's golf instruction. And, and yes. I mean, literally in, in the years I've been involved, Ted, I've had, when I try this methodology or stack and tilt or one plane swing or impact zone or peak performance, and I mention it to the pro, you, you see their face turning red. And I've heard of seminars where they come to blows almost over this methodology versus this theory versus, you know, this opinion. Um, and Tony exposed right. me to a lot of these myths and misconceptions, which is chapter two in my book that Tony taught mm-hmm. me. And I saw myself as I went through methodology after methodology after methodology, it's almost many of them conflict with each other, you know, and one right. of the ones that a lot of the amateurs might hear, Ted, is, oh, you peaked. Well, tell that to David yeah. Duvall, right? I right, mean, David right. Duvall, <laughs> Annika Stormson, she's not looking. She peaked, she peaked on every shot into the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, you right. picked your head up or, you know, use the big muscles. And, of course, I'm not an instructor. I might play one on TV, but I've certainly taken enough lessons and tried all the methodologies, and I'm telling you, uh, I think it hurts amateurs more than it helps them. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And, and just to, to add to that a little bit, um, you know, Chris, one of the things that always sort of baffles the mind, you know, obviously I, I, I use social media for promoting the shows and, and things like that. And, and I don't really engage a lot in the different golf groups. Of course, I promote in the golf groups on, on things like Facebook and, and other um, social media platforms. Um, just to, to sort of get the message out there. But every once in a while, I'll, I'll see a post that'll go up and I'll see about, you know, 30 or 40 responses. And in some cases or most cases, it's usually pretty civil, but every once in a while, somebody will throw up just what you're talking about. And suddenly there'll be about a hundred responses and it'll create literally a firestorm. And, you know, the sad part about it, Chris, is that many of the people that are responding our fellow instructors who are criticizing and critiquing one another over a simple post. And it yes. actually does the, 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 the industry a disservice. And I choose personally not to engage. I don't even respond to any of them just because it doesn't matter whether you're right, wrong, or somewhere in between, somebody isn't going to like what you have to say. And, you know, the next thing you know, you're, you're, you know, I hate to use this term, but ground zero uh, for the, the, the biggest, you know, bash of boulderum you could ever imagine. So I stay clear of it, but, um, but that's a great point that you make out and, and you, and you're exactly right in, in your analogy too, Chris, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of the, I certainly don't know them all, but I've seen a lot of the other methodologies and, and you named a few, you know, stack and tilt as one as an example, that might be a great theory um, for a lot of golfers. There might be some that can, can use that, that uh, approach, but they're also maybe just as many golfers that that will not work at all with. And, and that applies to all of the different methodologies because we are uniquely different. Everybody's built and designed differently. So you have to kind of find what works for you. And some of them, as you said, contradict one another. And, and, and it just doesn't help when, when, you know, everybody's, you know, we're not always going to agree on everything, but I think there's a, a better way of presenting it. Um, let's talk a little bit uh, about first off um, why you decided to write the book and generally what it's about. Well, uh, Ted, I, I decided to write the book because I had people telling me, 
you've got a moral obligation to tell this story because if you can help one person that loves this game of golf uh, and save them what you went through and, you know, and some say I did lose my mind, um, it, it might, it might help golfers, you know, in one way or another. And I, I want right. to say one more thing about what you just said. A fellow Canadian uh, in Calgary, mm-hmm. Ron Sisson, is a gentleman that I spoke to at length and was working with him a little bit. I'd like <clears> to do more with him, but gosh, I just don't have the bandwidth at times with all the, uh, the, 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 the sites I'm working on. But Ron Sisson wrote a 15-chapter uh, dissertation, if you will, called Golf is Dying. And the premise yeah. of his incredible piece is the average handicap with all the technology and the titanium and the golf balls and the golf channel, the USGA will, will bear this out, has not improved in decades. Okay? Right. And why is that? And there are people leaving the game. Why is that? Well, it could be, you know, the economy of the past eight years. It could be the cost. But – I, I agree with Ron Sisson, and I believe uh, his, uh, his methodology is called the real swing, and I, I'm not sure uh, what he's doing right now, but he's a brilliant man in Calgary. He's a, a golf coach, as he calls himself. But I believe, and I agree with him, and I agree with others, that it's because <clears throat> of instruction. And it starts at the PGA, yes. and it starts at the U, U, USGA, so as I went through all these methodologies, it became my passion. It became my, you know, my, my mission to find out all these different methodologies, which ones works, which ones don't. And I ended up moving back home to upstate New York, and I left the medical and the aesthetic sales industry, and I got in the PGA program at the great Sagamore Golf Course, 1928 Donald Ross Design, Lake George, New York, Queen of American Lakes, uh, incredible golf course dave cummings the ph the, we call him phd because everything is pin high dave um <laughs> he's the head pro there I, I apprenticed under him and for two years ted i was in the pj program and it got to be where i just didn't want to learn how to fold shirts the right way and re-grip, re-grip right. clubs and i i just uh you know i love marketing i love sales and i said you know i just i just can't do this so Dave, uh, he would have me give lessons to some of the hotel guests from the Sagamore Resort, sagamore.com, by the way. And I was, Mm -hmm. at that time, uh, taking stack and tilt lessons from Marty Nowicki, uh, founder of the Impact Snap, and who just, I believe, was in Florida with Bobby Clampett, Impact Zone. Uh, Marty Nowicki is an unbelievable uh, instructor, Turning Stone Resort in Syracuse. I would drive there for a year and a half and became, uh, you know, became his, his pupil, if you will, in, in Stack and Tilt. So I would have members come up to me, and I would teach Stack and Tilt for that two-year period in the in the program, and they'd ask me about Don Trahan, peak performance, or or David Ledbetter, or or whatever it, the the methodology may be. I mean, I. I tried so many of them I, I lose track I have to you know keep a journal or just look at the books on my bookshelf so I had some of right. the members kind of inspire me to write this book you know and, and it's not so much to say this is good this is bad or whatever it's basically hey pick a swing and stick with it <laughs> right right 
Yeah, and, and, and you know, you raise a very interesting point, uh, you know, Chris, because I, I agree. I mean, I'm in the profession. I see uh, all of the, you know, when you go to the P and I didn't make it this year, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, when you go to the PGA show and you see all the, the latest and greatest uh, tools and, and training that's available out there, uh, and there's certainly uh, some validity to, to the majority of it, but it, it, it just seems that, you know, one, one moment, and I'm not going to get into names or anything like that. One moment, you know, they're, they're pushing, you know, so-and-so is pushing this sort of methodology. And then a couple of years down the road, they've now sort of regurgitated and reinvented a new format. And to me, it just falls into that, that more marketing. And, and I equate it to the, the um, golf manufacturers. And let me just quickly point this out and then I'll let you continue. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves is with the equipment manufacturers. Love the new technology. I think it looks great. It's exciting. It's interesting to see it every year. But the truth of the matter is, I don't care what club you put in a person's hand, um, what technology there is. Certainly, there are going to be some improvements. But if the person does not know how to swing the club properly, I don't care what, per, uh, what club you put in their hand, they're not going to get 10, 20, 30 extra yards uh, and certainly straight if they don't know how to use the tool properly. And it bothers me when I go to the shows and they're coming out with this marketing, and I understand why they're doing it, um, because in my opinion, it's, it, it borders on false advertisement. Now, if you were to put that club in Tiger Woods' hand or Dave Duval or some of the other tour players, then I could see the validity. But when you're putting it into a 25 or even a 30 handicap player and then expecting them to get that without really showing them how to use the tool properly, it's just not going to happen. And the same thing has happened with these different methodologies is, you know, everybody, again, as we've stated, is uniquely different. And if you're trying to pigeonhole everybody into your methodology because you think this is the way that they're going to execute the perfect golf swing, um, then you're feeding them, I hate to say this, but a line of BS. Um, And that's pretty much what you're trying to get across through the book, right? Absolutely, Ted. And, and if I can go back just briefly to my, my prior medical device career, which was my primary source of income, but my secondary passion, uh, I called on doctors and surgeons, ophthalmic surgeons for two companies, and then gastroenterologists, and then plastic surgeons and, and dermatologists. Well, there's a correlation between, I hate to say this, but there's a very, very similar mindset between doctors and golf instructors. So what does a doctor do? He diagnoses and he prescribes. And what does a golf instructor do? He diagnoses and he prescribes. And in my early, my first trainer in medical device sales, he, you know, while we're training in Raleigh, North Carolina, he said, hey, how many doctors does it take to take to change a light bulb? And I hope I don't make your past, your last three guests mad by this, but, <laughs> or I don't mean to insult anybody, but how many doctors does it take to change a light, light bulb? He asked me and I said, I don't know, Gordon, how many? One, he stands there and holds it and waits for the world to revolve around him. And golf yeah. pros, instructors, they're on a pedestal, and, you know, they should be in many cases. Uh, very, very similar. But another point I wanted to make about, you know, this, the golf clubs itself, and back to the myths and misconceptions that Tony Luzak at Reactionary Golf, who's actually in a Ph.D. program validating his methodology where it's not the big muscles, use your big muscles. Let me ask, let me ask any of your guests, you know, next time you go to a doctor and you have to have surgery and he's holding that instrument, right? 
I don't care if it's titanium right. or, or, or whatever it is. Do you want him to use his big muscles on you when he's doing surgery? No, he's going to use a surgical instrument, a pen, a fork. My opinion, based on all these methodologies, the instrument is the most important thing, and it's not the big muscles, and it's not the titanium, and it's not the trying to buy a game through technology. You have to learn to use the instrument, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie, uh, Eddie Marins, who uh, is affectionately known as the little pro, and most people that have been in the golf industry for years know who he is. He's based out of Swing the uh, handle. California. Swing the handle. Yep. Swing yep. The, Exactly. And he talks about that um, to a T. In fact, he was a guest on my show last year. I'm going to have him back again this year. Um, but he, you know, he, he equates it to, uh, uh, you know, to tennis, very, very similar in, in some of the movements. But he talks about that as well, about the equipment and, and being able to use it and swing it properly. Um, I mean, I've seen some folks, uh, Lee Trevino comes to mind, who had, you know, have had some of the most unorthodox swings you could ever imagine, and yet won multiple majors and uh, many, many other tournaments uh, in his career. There are Jim Furyk, I mean, there's dozens of them that you can name that didn't have the picture-perfect swing, but they knew how to put the club face on the ball, they knew how to hit uh, through impact, and knew how to play the game. See, a lot of, uh, and, and I'm with you, I mean, I, I love uh, the guests that I have on the show that are instructors because they get it. They're much like what we're talking about here is um, they don't stand on a pedestal, they know what they have to offer, and they're not trying to sell uh, smoke and mirrors, um, they do a great job, and, and that's why I have them on the show. But I know exactly what you're talking about. But I think that as an industry, what we have to be able to do is we also have to be honest with ourselves and, and sort of take each individual player that we're working with uh, or student that we're working with, and we have to take a look at the whole picture and make sure that they understand what the role they will play and what the role of the golf club will play and how they marry the two together. And when they understand that, I think they have a much better understanding because ultimately you're not hitting the golf ball with your hand or your big muscles. You're hitting it with the club face. So you need to understand how that tool works. And you're exactly right. The same thing with a surgeon and a scalpel and, and, you know, other uh, professionals that have tools, they have to learn how to use that tool properly and, whether you put a, a you know a $400 driver or a $40 driver or a rusty driver that you pulled out of the pond, if you don't know how to swing it properly and use that tool properly, you're not going to get the results. Um, something else, too, that I want to uh, touch on and, and give you an opportunity to, to, to share your thoughts, and that is sort of the business uh, of golf, um, everything from manufacturers and retail. Uh, everything seems to be going online and a lot of the pro shops, as, as I'm sure you'll attest to, uh, are, are suffering. Uh, they're going against the big box stores, and even the the, the teaching professionals, um, you know, have had to step up their game a little bit and, and get into some online instruction because there's so much free content on there. Um, give your thoughts there on on what's happening in the industry, and as an instructor, how can they sort of get in it, um, but do it successfully? Well, again, Ted, great question. I go back to my, my career in the medical device sales, calling on doctors and the similarities between doctors and, and, and golf pros. They diagnose and they prescribe. Mm-hmm. So 
finally, when I moved back home, I said, you know, I, I'm kind of, I had a product in CVS and Rite Aid, an incredible scar product I had, I had discovered, if you will, in my skincare uh, foray in Mobile and uh, got a doctor, a plastic surgeon in upstate New York to kind of do a study on it. And we sold it to, and some of your listeners may have seen uh, the commercials on TV for Blue Emu, and they have Mike Ditka and yes. Johnny Bench endorsing right. it. Well, they used to have Jay Haas. Well, that's we that's the company, NFI Consumer Products. We sold this 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 product to for scars, but it works on pain. And uh, I had developed a product with my brother called Golf Therapy. We almost got it into Edwin Watts. So I'm looking at all these different, you know these industries and how the medical device industry and what happened with insurance plans. And I'm looking at golf. And in 2005 with this uh, all natural oil, transdermal anti-inflammatory emu oil, I said, you know, Dr. Chow, uh, who was my partner, I think everything's going online, including golf. Yeah. And so, so, uh, you know, this was before the Amazon addicted society we've become. My goodness, my brother lives next door to me here on Glen Lake in upstate New York, and I, you know, I see a, an Amazon box almost every day showing up at his doorstep. But in 2005, <laughs> we weren't there yet, right? It was like, and, right. and I remember Tony Luzak and I talking about this at reactionarygolf.com, my second grade instructor, Tony Luzak, uh, who I worked with for some time. And now who's just doing fabulous with his research, uh, um, everything's going to go online. And, and it did. And, and you're seeing it from Dick Sporting Goods. A good friend of mine worked for Dick Sporting Goods for years. Dick Sporting Goods used to have five here in the U.S., 500 stores. Every store had a Class A PGA Pro. And oops, no more. Now they have part-timers, right. and hopefully they know enough about golf. Why? because everybody's going into Dick's Sporting Goods and they're using it as a demo site. They're saying, hey, let me hit this new M4. Let me hit this new Rogue Driver by Callaway. Let me hit this new Ping. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for letting me use the launch monitor in the bay there. And they go online to Second Swing or whatever, and they buy it online. That's been happening right. for years. Well, the same thing's right. happening with golf instruction. So if mm-hmm. you can pay... God bless him, Justin Tupper of Revolution Golf. If you can pay 125 bucks to be a member and watch streaming videos from Sean Foley and Martin Chuck and whomever and whomever and whomever, do you really need to go to a range and pay, you know, take the time and go there? So everything's going online. So about the time my scar product died on the store shelves because they didn't believe us that we need to go direct to the consumer, good buddy of mine from South Alabama, Mark Meyer, the founder of Digital Response Marketing Group, drmglistens.com, said, Chris, you're a sales guy, you love golf. You're a marketing guy, you love golf. Work with me, I'll teach you how to do all this stuff online. And I helped some medical device companies, I helped some doctors, and about two years ago, after 10 years of learning the digital marketing space, I said, why don't I apply this to golf? And the very first company I found, one of the most historic ever in the putting uh, manufacturing, Odie Christman out of Selma, Alabama. My late uncle gave me one of their putters uh, when I was in Mobile, 
and uh, a great guy, Ned Martin, uh, who's got a great product, the perfect swing path board. He's out of Decatur. He said, hey, Chris, yep. he went to college with my buddy. You ought to call up Odie, Odie Chrisman, Odie the third, the son of the late Odie Chrisman, who developed the first putter in 1946 that they all used, uh, Jackie Burke, you name it, Miller, Arnold Palmer, uh, with a brass insert, he might need your help. So odgolf.com is the first company, thanks to my buddy Mark Meyer at Digital Response Marketing Group, I said, hey, let's go online. Let's get a website, and we did. And same thing with Brett Freeman, same with freebirdgolf.com, same thing with Tony Luzak, reactionarygolf.com. And uh, my, my new site with my partner, John Bentz, a.k.a. J.B. Free, golfdiscover.com. Right. Everything, Ted, is going online. And, if golf, and the one thing I found, and this is, again, back to the comparison and or the similarity between the doctors I called on for years, my primary career, and the golf companies or the golf pros, they, they know they need to be there. They know it, that's the, the yellow pages are dead golf digest and all the magazines, the big companies, the big boys, they're advertising online now and golf instruction yeah. is going online now. So they know golf, they know putters, but they don't know the pieces, all the moving parts online in this day and age. So that kind of became my new mission is to help, whether it's a manufacturer, AccuStrike, great, great product. Uh, OD mm-hmm. golf, odgolf.com, the OD Crispin putters that we're trying to, you know, resurrect this classic historic right. handmade putter or whether it's instructors, uh, rather than working with doctors and hospitals, I want to help the golf industry grow the game online as best I can. Yeah. And, and you raise a, a, a very great point, Chris, because, you know, this is something that's been, been happening for, for several years right now, that there has been a shift. And, you know, they keep, you know, we see it on the Golf Channel all the time. They're, uh, for a long time, they were trying to figure out, well, you know, why, how do we grow the game? What do we do to grow the game? And, and you know, there was a lot of dialogue going on. And, and, you know, some of it was certainly some good information, but there was a lot of it they just weren't getting. And they're, they're almost in a bit of a denial, I think, as a general rule, uh, when, I, when I listen to uh, a lot of the, the chatter uh, not only in social media, but uh, even areas like the Golf Channel and others, is they they don't recognize that. And even Nicholas said this re- recently on uh, a fairly current episode of, of Faraday, um, that there's things that need to change in the golf industry if they want to truly grow the game. One of it is, as you said, uh, which is a major one, is getting into the digital market. Um, because there is so much content now available that it is getting harder and harder for the average golf instructor uh, to be able to, you know, open up uh, their shop and, and, you know, people are not coming to the golf courses like they were to take golf lessons. So, um, and that's not to say that there aren't, um, you know, people doing that, but people can get the same information, as you said, going to revolutionarygolf.com or some of the other uh, major players and get that instruction either through a membership program uh, or even free. Now, some of it may or may not be good, depending on where they're going, um, but it's still much more accessible. And I think 
that one of the things that the industry has failed to do is to recognize the market that's out there. And, you know, when I, you know, as I said earlier on in our discussion, you know, I took up golf much earlier than you did. I, you know, my father played golf. He got me into the game. So I'm a little bit different breed. But a lot of the younger generation that are very tech savvy um, right now with computers and, and smartphones and all of this other good stuff weren't brought up in the same environment. So we have to find a way to reach out to them to engage and get them interested in, in golf and get them out playing the game. Um, but they're not going to do that by just going to the golf course in the morning and opening the doors and hoping that you know, the 20-somethings or the millennials uh, are going to come waltzing through the door. It's not going to happen because they're on social media or some other digital platform. So we have to be creative. And this is where you're stepping in with a lot of these organizations and helping them to do just that, correct? I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm a, I'm a one-man <laughs> show. But between, uh, between right. Golf Discovers, uh, where we're trying to promote, you know, hey, look, pick a swing and stick with it, find your game, and not just the golf swing. Uh, the upstate New York area, right. the Sagamore Golf Course, Donald Ross Design, Ticonderoga Country Club, Lake Placid, all the way through Maine, it's an untapped area for golfers, and we're just trying to help them find their game, whether it's the golf swing or destinations or discounts. But, but absolutely, um, I mean, it's, it's – and it's not gone unnoticed. And back to Justin Tupper, uh, one of my heroes, uh, who founded Revolution Golf back when there wasn't streaming YouTube videos or, or membership models like Mike Malaska or Tony Luzak, Reactionary Golf, uh, one of the right. best, uh, or, or soon to be Brett Freeman's Freebird Golf based on Manuel De La Torre's unbelievable uh, methodology where you're focused on the club externally instead of body parts. Uh, there, there's, right. there's simply no question that that has gone unnoticed, but not to the golf channel because after Justin yeah. Tupper discovered streaming videos versus mailing DVDs and Justin Tupper got 150,000 subscribers or members, etc., the golf channel very smartly bought him recently as you are yes. probably aware and they bought them for a reason right they bought them for the eyeballs they bought them for the people that that subscribe and or visit and or are paid members doesn't matter to the advertisers they want eyeballs and they know that that's where the golfers are going they're going online much 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 more whether it's buying equipment whether it's golf instruction or whether it's trying to find their game before they lose their mind. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's you're exactly right. That's, that's what's been happening. It's been leading up to that. And I think that one of the problems that I've seen in the area, I mean, I'm in obviously the panhandle area in Panama city beach, Florida. And I know just even reaching out within this corridor, this sort of Emerald coast corridor that there's still a lot of old way thinking in how they approach golf. Um, and I touched on it just a moment ago is it's, you know, open my doors and they will come. Um, that's not the case. Now, obviously most of them, most of the courses in this area, of course, have a, a some digital presence. Maybe it's a website and things like that, but it's just basically informational. They're not really doing anything to reach out to their, their communities to attract people there. They're, you know, offering discounted rounds and, and things like that, which is great. But 
it's not really doing it's not any sort of an outreach program to get people to come to the golf courses and to play so this is why many of them are struggling and it's that old sort of way of thinking um, the industry has to change and has to evolve and if you don't do that um, this is why you know every month more and more golf uh, courses are closing their doors because they're refusing to change their business model and they've stayed in sort of this what used to be a tried and true method um, for decades and don't see, you know, the horizon. And obviously, as you just pointed out, the Golf Channel recognized this digital streaming market is going to be a huge, um, you know, uh, development uh, in the industry. And they were getting in sort of on the ground floor um, by making the purchase that they did. So you're exactly right. Um, now, the book, uh, I want to just go back to the book real quick because we're, we're getting close to our time. Um, the book is available now, correct? What we're doing, Ted, is uh, at golfdiscover.com is we're basically, if you subscribe for free and enter your email address, permission-based marketing, big, big, big uh, component of this whole digital age we're in, um, what we'll do is we'll send you series uh, of the book uh, over a period of time, and in between, more and more things we discover to help golfers find their game, whether it's discounts online, whether it's destinations. Uh, I'll, I'll bet you, and I think when you and I talked, uh, that most yeah. golfers have never heard of the Sagamore Donald Ross design 1928 with a hotel from the 1800s on an island right down the hill from them. So our objective with golfdiscover.com is to help golfers find things that make them enjoy the game more. Same thing with Freebird Golf, the late, great Manuel De La Torre. You know, people just don't enjoy the game enough. They don't. Um, I mean, I I was nicknamed MDD for years, Manic Depressive Doster. If I hit a bad shot, boom, I'm done. (laughs) You know, and it's a shame that people just don't. And it's probably because I had 19 (laughs) different methodologies running through my head. Um, But, yes, the book will be sent out in a series of uh, emails. Uh, We use a top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art email marketing service, and we send, you know, a welcome letter with the first portion and the first section of the book, if you will. Um, So we don't just – we don't want to just sell it to somebody and make money off an e-book. We want to help golfers find their game. Legitimately, we do. Same thing with Freebird Golf with the club, a user's manual. You know, we're going to – offer that book for free uh, for people that subscribe for the, the membership that we're going to have here soon. Right now it's for free just for your, your email, uh, just to try to help golfers, you know, just try to help grow the game. You know, I mean, I remember when Jack Nicholas and the late great King Arnold Palmer, they had a couple of campaigns, you may recall, Ted, uh, while we're young. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the other one? Play it forward. You know, we got, we got to yeah. do some things that are that are like you said, untraditional to advance and grow the game. A lot of it's digital, a lot of it's online, some of it's not. Some of it falls on the shoulders of the golf course superintendent. Why are we putting the tees that far back? Why are we making the pin placement so tough? Let's let's try to make the game fun again, you know. Um, yeah. And 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 instruction is a, is a is another component. So. At golfdiscover.com, you know, we're going to offer not only the book, Find Your Game Before You Lose Your Mind, 
hoping it helps some people <laughs> not go through what I went through, or at least, <laughs> hey, you're interested in stack and tilt, here's the link, here's a review. You're interested in, in uh, impact zone, here's the link. You're interested in, in uh, freebird golf or, or reactionary golf by Tony Luzak, here you go. Pick a swing, and like one of your past, your, your guests here uh, prior to, to me coming on said, my goodness, take some lessons. And, and, and if you take it at a golf course face-to-face uh, or if you take it online or you're subscribed to a membership, pick a swing methodology, stick with it. Everybody's different. Everybody's got a different anatomy. But you know what? The one thing, and this is why I love what Tony Luzak and, and his research at Mississippi State, he, Ted, he left his position as director of golf to go back to school and validate what he believes and what he believes right. as Manuel de la Torre and Ernest <clears throat> Jones is, is it's the golf club that leads and the body follows the late Thomas Tomasello, one of the original golfing machine uh, instructors. I challenge everybody listening to go to YouTube and type in Thomas Tomasello, Tom Tomasello, Lee Dietrich. <laughs> and see the last three videos this man did before he died. And he said what's hurting golf is that everybody's first move is turn. And, and there's, right. there's, there's no golf club. As Manuel De La Torre used to say, and Brett Freeman at Freebird Golf will attest, because he worked with him for over 20 years, he would ask people, what are you thinking about? And they'd say, well, I want to get my weight shift. And, I want and after they went right. through this list, he would say, okay, and he'd reach out and he'd say, can I have your golf club? Whatever they had, and they'd get, look at him puzzled. Well, what do you mean? Well, you never mentioned the golf club, the instrument, the tool. So we got, I think, again, I'm not a golf instructor. Play one on TV. The golf club is what matters. I don't care what it's made of. It's M1, M2, M3, M4, or whatever it may be. But, uh, you know, we, we, we have to kind of to grow the game, start, you know, maybe, you know, coming together as an industry and saying, look, we, we just can't keep fighting amongst these different methodologies and we got to somehow make the game fun again. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, Chris. And, you know, this is what I try to do with this program. I mean, we talk about a lot of uh, different things on the show, but um, you know, I always try to be very open-minded with my guests and, and obviously try to, to find you know, because I certainly don't know everything, and neither do any of my other guests. But collectively, we try to work together. And you know, I I've been approached before in the past. And I'm going to say this very quickly, and then we've got to wrap up. Um, you know, I've been approached before on the show about, about you know, well, let's do such and such, and let's you know be real controversy in order to boost li- listenership. And you know, I don't want to bring people on here to attack them or to do things like that. I want to boost. Uh, you know, conduct a show that people are going to want to gravitate to, want to come on here to, to truly grow the game. And, you know, so I don't want to bring on a, on a coach, let's say, and say, well, you're, you know, your method is wrong or, or, or this and, and sort of sandbag them on the show because that's not the purpose of, of Golf Talk Live. And this is why I get the people reaching out that do uh, year after year want to coming back on, whether it be the Coach's Corner panel or, or being a guest. And you're right. We have to come together as an industry. We have to share and exchange ideas, and we have to be willing to make changes. Every other industry has to do the same thing in their own unique perspectives. Um, 
so the golf uh, industry uh, is no different. But if you're not willing to be receptive and listen to other options or other, uh, you know, situations that may be made available, then you, you become very closed minded and, you know, you end up being on the unemployment line, um, whether as an instructor or as a, a you know, a, a golf course uh, superintendent or whatever the case may be. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Um, Chris, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but we're, we're uh, out of time. I enjoyed a, a conversation. It was very interesting to uh, hear, you know, your perspective on the industry and, and what you're doing to, to try and help change uh, and, and grow uh, and, and develop the industry. Um, but for those that uh, are tuning into the broadcast, if they want to maybe reach out to you, whether they're in the industry or not, uh, and learn more about some of the things that you've been talking about here tonight, and maybe take uh, you know the steps to get their hot little hands on the information that you've been talking about here through your book, um, what's the best way to reach out? Uh, e- either uh, any of my sites, uh, Chris Doster at gmail dot com is my is my Gmail address, my email address, uh, golfdiscovered dot com. Uh, that's the site that uh, we're launching now. Uh, contact me at that site or freebirdgolf.com that I'm working with Brett Freeman and, and his great work with Manuel De La Torre. So uh, I'm easy to find uh, chrisdoster.com as well. My blog I've had for a few years and, uh, and Hey, all, all I want to do is, is help the industry and uh, help golfers, you know, the 25 plus million of us. I'm an amateur, right. uh, just like most of them and help them find their game before they lose their mind. Exactly. Well said. Well, Chris, I want to take this opportunity to thank you for uh, being my guest tonight on Golf Talk Live. I've enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I want to wish you all the continued success in in your journey, and uh, I hope you come back and join me again in the future. Same to you, Ted. Love your show. Thank you for the time. Not a problem. All right, Chris, have a great weekend. Enjoy uh, the Bay Hill Invitational this weekend. I will, and happy birthday, Ted. Thank you, sir. All right, you have a good evening. Bye. All right, that was my very special guest, uh, Chris Doster. Um, very interesting uh, backstory to uh, some of the th- things that he's he's done and he's accomplished, and and uh, you know, obviously, very passionate about helping uh, not just those uh, in the industry, but those outside the industry as well to really get out and enjoy and, and as he said, uh, have fun with this game. I also want to uh, give a special thanks again to the guys on the panel tonight, Pete Buchanan, John Decker, and Brian Dobby. Guys, you did a great job as always. Uh, I enjoy it uh, having you on the show, and you always bring your best. And uh, I want to thank you guys for, for doing such a great job. And uh, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, of course, uh, worldwide, for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live. And it's really through uh, your efforts uh, of tuning into the show and, of course, my special guests um, for doing such a great job and, and bringing some interesting uh, dialogue and topics to the show that have helped make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. Um, I will see you guys next Tuesday on blogtalkradio.com's Women of Golf show with my good friend, LPJ professional Cindy Miller, next Tuesday, uh, March the 20th from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in for that. We're going to have a great panel discussion next week, and then I'll be back here next Thursday uh, with another great round of Coach's Corner and another interesting guest I'm sure you won't want to miss. So make sure you tune in next Thursday from 6 to 8 Central right here on Golf Talk Live. Enjoy the tournament this weekend, guys. God bless, and I'll see you next week.